0: Hello listeners, Beyond the Mask in conjunction with NBC RNA is pleased to announce that listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how to submit them, go to our website. Well, good morning, Sharon.
2: How are you doing? Oh, I'm good.
0: you awake yet? Oh,
2: shut up. <laughs> I've been up. This is early long. for us. Uh, early for you? Well, I mean, to, to do the podcast, true. you know. Well, normally you and I are both up very, very early because, you know, I give you calls as I'm going to work. Yeah. Um, and you're working out usually, so. Yep. Yep. We're usually on the phone very early in Did the morning. Did you do morning, your walk Before the morning? sun comes up. Oh, yes. I've already yeah? been out walking.
0: Good for you. That's awesome. Yes. Well, you know, we're not in the studio together this morning.
2: I know. I hate that.
0: But, uh, but that's okay. We'll make it work. Technology helps us to do this, and that's been nice over the last year, figuring all this stuff out.
2: I know. I know. We've but done pretty good.
0: A lot of changes over the last year. Well, I think we've got another great episode. Now, I'm kind of excited about this one because I've just seen this come to life so many times in in my career, and I think you probably have too. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to to kind of getting this out there today.
2: I am too. Um, And it's something that all CRNAs should pay attention to.
0: Absolutely, without a doubt. So, without further ado, let me introduce you guys this morning to Robert Smith. Robert, welcome.
3: Thanks, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, and Kyle Smith. Glad to be here. We're glad you're with us. And Kyle, welcome.
3: Thank y'all. Yeah, thank y'all for the time this morning.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to...
2: I had a chance to chat with Robert before you got on to the line, and he has this lovely Louisiana accent.
0: Yes, he does. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I have to, before we get started, kind of the the meat of this today, You know, I have to give a little bit of background about about Robert and I. We've known each other for years now, and uh, we met at a... A meeting was it in the uh, thing of Missouri? maybe Branson. Branson. Wow. Yeah. but yeah so Robert and I met at a meeting uh, years okay. ago and uh, be, become uh, friends and learned a lot more about him and his business. And today, Robert, what are we going to be talking about?
4: We're gonna be talking about disability insurance for medical professionals. why you should have some why you should have the right title, just an individual policy. And then I'll tell you some stories about things that have happened in the last 30 years that I've been doing that.
0: Great. Great. Well, it sounds good. Well, you know, I've seen a a lot of stuff in my career. Now, you know, we don't typically do disability insurance in our practice. Um, In fact, you know, over the last few years since we've developed our relationship, we've referred our CRNAs to you and your group. Thank and you. yeah absolutely and um you know we just know what we're good at and you know disability is one of those areas you don't want to do a, a you know just kind of a, a sideways job because mm-hmm. it's too important when people actually need need the coverage so why don't you give us a little bit about uh, your group and your background robert and kyle and uh let our listeners know a little bit more about you
4: so i've spent the last 30 years selling disability insurance to crnas i have uh about 1,800 CRNA clients, and the mission is simple. Get out there and make sure these people know they need disability insurance. Explain why an individual policy is so important and not a group policy provided by an employer or an association policy. And then if you decide to need an individual contract, who the top carriers are and why you should do business with me, I have some things available that other people do not have in the business. So it's about selling a good company, selling a good product, and then more, most important, getting it for a good price and telling people how to use this effectively and not overprice the contract with expensive riders that are unnecessary, which many people I compete with do.
2: Well, tell us about the major companies that offer disability insurance, and do you work with uh, with all of them, or you have specific ones you work with?
4: I work with Mass Mutual specifically. There are only eight or nine carriers in the United States who do any amount of this type of business. And there are only three highly rated carriers to do this. That's my company, Mass Mutual, Northwestern Mutual, and Guardian. I am very big on insurance company ratings. If I'm going to buy something to protect me for an extended period of time, I want to make sure I have a company with great financial ratings. And Mass Mutual has that. The thing that I've been able to do is there are women pay about more than men
0: do for this stuff. Now, wait a minute here, Sharon. What,
2: what? Uh, well, having y'all's babies disables us. That's what that
0: is. (laughs) (laughs) I knew there would be a great response there, Robert. I'm sorry for cutting y'all, but I, I couldn't wait to hear what she had to say about that. Uh, Oh my God. So
2: are you, have you figured out a way to overcome that, uh, discrimination against (laughs) females?
4: Well, it's actually morbidity charts, uh, Sharon, meaning that, uh, you know, we live men,
2: longer
4: <laughs> Men die younger than women. So men pay more for life insurance ladies get disabled at a higher rate than men. They pay more for disability. But companies offer discounts, which in the past few years have been pulled back on. Neither of the other two highly rated companies offer a discount. Uh, they do, but it's not off the male rate, it's off the female rate. So essentially, if this stuff costs $1,000 a year for a male, it costs $1,500 a year for a female. And I have numerous unisex rates set up around the country where I take that male rate of $1,000 and break it down to $750. And that $1,500 female rate also becomes the same as the male rate at 750 So when I'm in competition, generally speaking, I'm almost half the price of my major competitors who are highly rated. So it makes it pretty easy to sell when you have a great company, a great product at a great price.
0: Wow, yeah, so what nice. do they need you for, Robert? I mean, you know. Just to take (laughs) them. Just to look pretty.
4: But what what they need me for, Jeremy, is to explain to them why some of these riders are overpriced and they don't need it, and some are not. So, my mission is not only to get the message out, but to make sure these folks don't overspend. Philosophically speaking, what I'm saying is every dollar I put into a disability policy is a dollar I cannot use somewhere
0: else. Right, right. Well, this is, this is one of those areas, and it's, it's very interesting. You know, I've been doing this for 24 years now, and you know, I think you, you've been doing it even longer than that. And I've seen things happen, you know, working with CRNAs throughout the industry. I remember one scenario uh, that unfolded, and there was a, a CRNA who had gotten into a motorcycle accident, and he worked at um, a hospital. And, um, he had the, the, you know, the group disability policy at the hospital and come to find out, um, you know, he only had the short-term disability, didn't realize that, uh, he had to purchase the long-term disability there Mm -hmm. and he got hurt pretty bad. You know, obviously CRNAs use their hands a lot and he was unable to do that, ended up being out for two, two and a half years and only got short-term disability, which was a limited amount. Um, and I want to say it was like less than six months. I can't remember the exact, but obviously that was a, a very difficult situation for him and his family. And it, it caused a lot of problems and that's just one scenario. So let's talk about that for a minute, Robert, because what I find is that especially W2 CRNAs out there think, you know what, I've got it at work and I'm covered, but you know, I have looked at some of those policies and I've sent you some of those policies um, you know, kind of to evaluate. And there are a lot of holes and a lot of things people don't understand about those policies.
4: Absolutely. The biggest hole is that the coverage is not guaranteed. What that means is the employer owns the policy, not the individual. And the employer and the insurer reserve the right to cancel it on an annual basis. I've had numerous cases in my career where the employer comes along and says, Hey, you know, that group disability we have, it's canceled. And I'm well-known in the community, so I'll receive some phone calls and I'll make four or five sales. But there's invariably a couple of people in the group who are uninsurable for whatever reason. Yeah. And they, they get declined by my company. Here's their question. Mr. Smith, what do I do now? I lost my employer coverage and your company won't give me.
3: Well, uh, I can pick up the slack while he's gone at least and give him a couple <laughs> minutes to connect. So basically what Robert was saying there is that... Um, You know, what the question at that point is, what do we do? And, you know, we don't really have a good answer for them, because if you can't get any individual coverage and your employer loses your coverage, then what are you going to do? And essentially, you're put in an uncomfortable situation where you have to start thinking about finding a new job just over the benefits that you're offered. So at that point, you lose your freedom of choosing where you're going to work and how you're going to work, because you have to abide to find group benefits at that point.
2: So Kyle, my question would be this. Let's say that I am disabled. They canceled a policy through my employer. Am I hearing you say that I'm just SOL then? I don't have anything?
3: Yeah, that we have had seen that situation happen more than once. Oh cared.
2: my god. Really? Yeah,
3: disability insurance is one of those tricky things where you have to buy it when you don't need it because right. you can't buy sure. it when you already need it.
2: Absolutely. Like healthcare insurance
3: (laughs) (laughs) used to be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, all right. There's another thing that's kind of bothering me just a little bit. You're talking about employer based disability, which is what I had for many years. Now I'm hearing you say, I just got lucky that nothing happened.
3: Essentially, yeah, you were part of the population that doesn't get disabled and doesn't have that problem. But the the big issue is that on average, one in four people are disabled at some point during their career. Average length of claim being two and a half to three and a half years. So, my question to anybody who doesn't want to own their own disability insurance is: What happens if you can't work for three years? Right. If you make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, that's four hundred fifty grand out of your retirement plans. Four hundred fifty grand that you don't see anymore. Yeah. So it's a, big, it's a big shortfall. Anybody that doesn't own their own individual disability insurance and makes anywhere north of six figures, so any CRNA essentially, to me, it's an insane risk to not own disability insurance. Typically, it costs less than 1% of your gross annual income or around that number. And it ensures that that income keeps coming in if something happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, I think we think of your income as the fuel to your car. Right. And if you can't produce your own fuel anymore by working, you need someone to be able to replicate that fuel for you. Otherwise, you're stuck and you're not going anywhere.
0: Well, Kyle, that brings up a great point. You know, uh, we work with, you know, a lot of uh, 1099 CRNAs as well. And, um, you know, I've just kind of think back to COVID when COVID started last year and, um, you know, here for a couple of months, you know, surgical procedures were canceled or, you know, severely limited. And, you know, we got calls from CRNAs that were making, you know, $400,000, $300,000 a year who were really concerned that they weren't going to be able to make ends meet. And that was only after, you know, a few weeks. And here, if you are disabled and you don't have that income, what are you going to do if you can't make it for a few weeks? And that, that kind of speaks exactly to what you're talking about.
3: And really, the best answer we have in that situation is, you know, we always recommend that our clients have an emergency fund, you know, at least three months of just expenses sitting on the side of the bank just in case something happens. But beyond that, you have to have your own disability insurance for any type of long term loss that you can suffer. Right. And the biggest thing is that, you know, a lot of people think that it won't happen to them. But like we already said, an average one in four people are disabled at some point during their career. No one thinks it's going to happen to them. But we see bad things happen, you know, pretty regularly. I have a client, you know, when that freeze came through our area of the country just a few weeks ago, I have a client that took a bad fall in the middle of the parking garage at work. She tore her ankle up and she can't walk right now. Oh, wow. So Luckily, she has disability insurance in place, but she just found out herself that her group benefits weren't what they thought she were. But uh, so, yeah, that's really what the situation is. We just need to make sure that, you know, everybody's covered as well as they can be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Kyle, you've got a great point. You know, I've seen that on a multitude of occasions of, you know, people not understanding what they've got, um, not even being able to make ends meet. And, you know, typically most people don't have the amount in emergency reserves that they need. And if they don't have that amount, they are living sort of, you know, every paycheck, you know, I've got to count on that paycheck. And that that can be an issue if you're disabled, even for a short period of time.
2: I I just can't get over the statistic about, Twenty five percent, but I guess that kind of makes sense. I knew a CRNA many years ago that developed uh, anaphylactic reaction to latex, and oh, back wow. then that was huge. Now everything is latex free, but I mean he couldn't even bag ventilate anybody. Um, gloves were a problem, and he had he had to stop giving anesthesia. But one in Now, let me ask one other question. This might be a stupid question. What if anesthesia is the cause of your disability? And why I'm asking this question is because I have Dupuytren's and it's aggravated by uh, the constant movements of my hands. So let's just say that I was disabled by anesthesia itself. Will my policy still cover me?
0: That's a good
4: point. Yes, it will. The beauty of these policies is that once you have it, it's guaranteed we can't drop you, we can't raise your price, and we can't change your benefits, and it protects you in your profession, unlike employer policies. So if you cannot do anesthesia, we're not going to ask you to take another job. Disability means your doctor tells us that for whatever the reason is, sickness or injury, you can't perform the duties of your occupation. If that happens, you are disabled and you get paid. So what I'm
2: hearing is it's occupation-specific. In other words, even (laughs) if I could work as a nurse, uh, they can't make me work as a nurse to say, oh, well, you still have something as backup. It is if I can't work as a nurse anesthetist.
4: That is correct. You mentioned the latex thing. I had one I wrote in 1992 who became disabled from a latex allergy in 1995, and she has been collecting for 26 years to date, so... I have some long-term stories. I've handled 90 claims in the 30 years I've been doing this. I have people who, I got a good friend who developed throat cancer in 2000 after having this policy for 10 years, and he collected 7,000 a month tax-free for 16 years. That's about 1.4 mil tax-free. So I have seen situations where disability occurs and people have this coverage. I've also seen situations where disability occurs and people don't have this coverage. I write to somebody and they ask me two years later, hey, Robert, I know Jim was in our meeting. Did he ever buy because he got disabled and he's losing his house and he's got to take his kids out of the good school? And the answer is Jim did not buy any. Unfortunately, Jim got disabled without any coverage. So what we're trying to accomplish as a, as a business is to get the message out there and make people sure people understand how important this is. And what can happen if we become unable to do anesthesia? And you don't have one of these policies. The game's over then. Yeah. Financial planning is what Jeremy does. The core of a good financial plan is to protect your income because without income, there is no plan. Income fuels the plan.
0: That's very true. I want to. I want to go back to just a minute, um, Robert, because you, you missed a couple of points that that Kyle made. Um, but you know, people might have this stuff at work and those policies are written in such a way that it's just a bunch of legalese. And, you know, most CRNAs, if they, if they got a copy, which they don't just freely give you a copy of that policy, it's a group policy, um, they're holes in those policies. And they, most of them don't understand what they have at their employer. At least that's been, you know, the things that I've seen in my career. You want to talk about that for a minute as well?
4: Sure. Employer policies, as we discussed earlier, can be canceled. They only protect you in your profession for a couple of years. After that, they force you into another job. They generally cover 60 percent of base income, which means even if you have one and you become disabled, you're going to have about half your net income because those policies are taxed because the employer provides it. So if I'm bringing home eleven or 12000 a month after taxes and I got a policy full of holes that may or may not provide 6000 a month after taxes, I got a big hole. The solution to that, uh, whenever I asked about group disability, nobody knows how it works. And if they go to the employer and say, can you get me a copy of the policy? It's like pulling teeth just to look at it. But the solution to that is to buy a moderate policy with somebody like us, maybe three or 4000 a month to supplement the group. Yep. And then we have a rider called the future income option we can add to our policy that gives you the guaranteed ability mm-hmm. to increase in the future regardless of health. Meaning if you lose your group at some point in time, you have some with us. And you're guaranteed to be able to go up, even if you have a major health event. So that's a big, I got a policy that can't be canceled. And it also guarantees me that I can increase in the future, even if my health changes. No medical evidence of insurability. So- When you put those two things together, we can protect you from anything that might happen for the rest of your career. That's the point. Guaranteed protection.
0: I'm going to give you. Wait,
2: I got to ask a question. What about age? Because I had a policy at one time and then, bam, all of a sudden, uh, whenever I turned one of the ages with the zero after it, it (laughs) doubled. I mean, it doubled. Sharon, it, you just
0: it, turned 25. I mean, what are you talking right. about? Though? So it was
2: when I turned 20. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I know is age a factor in disability? Well, I'm sure that it is. I mean, I just keep getting better as I get older, as well like as Jeremy.
4: Wine, you know? Me too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you too, of course, Robert, but talk to us a little bit about that.
4: So age affects the cost of the policy when you buy it. When you buy an individual policy, if you're 30 years old, you might spend 100 bucks a month. If you buy it when you're 40, that price will double. And if you buy it when you're 50, that price will triple. But once you buy an individual policy, the price, what we sell, the price locks in until you're 65. So. It makes a lot of sense. Now, association policies are priced every 5 years the price goes up and when you get to the 45s and the 50s the premium gets extremely high but there's no guarantees on those association policies. So, I know people who the scheduled premium when they reach 45 was supposed to be 4,000 a year and they get a bill for 10,000 a year mm-hmm. and they're enraged and so it, there are no guaranteed future premiums in association policies whereas an individual contract Price is locked in and coverage is locked in until you're 65 years old. So if you buy it from me at 30 and the price is hundred dollars a month and you never change it moving forward, you will pay hundred dollars a month until you're 65 years old. So price is fully guaranteed. Okay. So it's covered.
2: you're kidding. I mean, 70% of our listeners are young because they uh, get their content via podcast. So I'm just telling all of you young ones out there, you know that ship has already sailed for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if I was thirty years old, which I was given the anesthesia when I was thirty years old, and out there now, oh my gosh, we may have just saved a lot of people's life. Yeah, Jeremy. Well,
0: well, yeah, and I mean, if you kind of think through this. Um, and these association policies, I mean, the allure to this, Robert, is when you're younger, they're probably cheaper than buying an individual policy. But the problem with that is, like you said, they're step rated. They go up every five years and then they get more expensive along the way. And or you have an issue. Let me just kind of paint a picture. So, you know, my wife is, is a CRNA and um, Sarah's had scoliosis since she was a child. And you can imagine a CRNA being on their feet all the time and then having scoliosis. Um, When we looked at disability, the carriers did not want to write her. At least they wanted to write her out anything to do with her back and hands, which would typically be what would go wrong with a CRNA. And um, before I met Robert, you know, I I had met another guy who was uh, really big into disability, and he actually came in and he did a, a presentation to the place she worked. And they offered, Robert, kind of like you did, the the unisex rates, but they also offered guaranteed issue. And it was the only way that I could get her disability insurance because we couldn't get it any other way. And then the rider that you talked about before, the future purchase option, she left this facility and went out and is doing 1099. So we didn't have to go through underwriting. We just had to prove that financially she needed more. And now she's got this very robust disability policy that she could have never gotten unless we did that. And that's just a personal scenario where this is—I've seen this happen. Now, luckily, knock on wood, you know she hasn't gone out on disability. But um, but if she ever did, this is a nice benefit.
4: Well, when you look at the cost of these policies, a lot of people say well the associate stuff is less expensive. But the way I kind of view this is. If I'm a CRNA, I'm going to earn a lot of money over 30 years, millions of dollars. So if I give up a couple thousand dollars a year for one of these things and I spend 20 years on it, I gave up 40K. And, you know, I'm going to have a million dollars anyway. When I retire, whether I have, you know, $1,100,000 or $1,060,000, the $40,000 is not going to affect my lifestyle or my ability to retire substantially. But if I don't have the right amount and type of disability insurance and something happens to my ability to do anesthesia, it blows the whole game up. So from a financial perspective, it makes no sense whatsoever to try and save money on disability or not have it. It makes sense. To, if I'm making enough money to take care of myself and I can afford to protect my income, I don't see why you wouldn't. It's so logical to me. Uh, and I presented it at schools all the time for many years. But there are some people who don't buy for whatever reason and bad things happen. So I'm out here to try and save people from themselves, save them from not making the decision to not buy this stuff. It's critical. You have to protect your income.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, just going through the (coughs) financial planning process with with CRNAs and and SRNAs, you know, we do a lot in the SRNA community, trying to educate them about things they need to think about, Um, you know, once they do graduate and start making money, and, you know, I see a lot of younger CRNAs out there with 250000 know, I had one the other day with $400,000 in student loan debt. Now, you know, think about that. They've got all this debt. They've gone to school all this time. They get out, they're making one hundred and sixty to $180,000. And then if something were to happen and they couldn't go to work, they've spent all this time, accumulated all this debt, and they're not going to be able to benefit from that. And that's, that's kind of the way I view disability insurance. You know, we insure our cars, we insure our houses, and statistically speaking, I think, well, you tell me if I'm right, you're the expert here, um, you have a much higher chance of becoming disabled than you do your house burning down or I think even being in an automobile accident, if I remember right.
4: About 20 to 1. It's also five times more likely to be disabled than die during your working years. So if somebody told me, Robert, you could have one insurance, this would be the one. This protects my income.
0: Yeah.
2: I've got a question. Now, you alluded to the fact that uh, I understood something like a supplemental policy. If you work W-2 somewhere and they have a disability plan that you automatically get as part of your benefits. But what... Is, are there two separate plans you could actually get if you, versus if you're 1099 versus W-2? And I think you know what the question is I'm trying to ask.
4: The plans are the same. What's uh, limited is the amount you can buy. So there's only so much of this will sell you based on your income. You could have a group policy with your employer and three other policies. It's the amount of total uh, disability they okay. to add up to. So generally on a group policy that you already have that covers 60%, we could put three or four grand a month on top of that with the future income purchase. Some people want what we have so bad, they try to go cancel their disability with their employer so they can buy more from us because they don't want to be restricted to the low class employer coverage. Yeah. So, so, but it's hard to get out of the employer plans. Generally, it's part of your employment. You have to keep it. So, we'll supplement. So, if you're making a base of 150 and you're earning like 240 or 250 because you're doing a lot of call and overtime, then we could put a whole bunch on top of that because you have a lot of income on top of your base. But if 60% of your base is covered and all you make is base income, we're very limited into the amount you can add. So it's about getting some additional coverage on top of the employer stuff. But more importantly, as Jeremy alluded to, having the guaranteed ability to increase this coverage in the future, regardless of health. That's like a goldmine. If you leave the employer and you have a health change, you can still go up. So you're covered no matter what happens. And that's the whole point of this guaranteed protection. So you have no risk in terms of income.
0: Yeah. And I think Robert, you know, you wrote up a, a policy on a CRNA for us several years ago, and she's still collecting benefits. She'll never go back to work. And, um, you know, she thanks us every time, uh, for that, for that coverage and, you know, for, for you doing that for, her. so it, it really is important to have this stuff. I'm going to switch hats and put my, tax side of the equation on here, you know, since we've got a tax planning and financial planning. um, And, you know, if, if we've got a 1099 CRNA out there, one, every 1099 CRNA should have disability coverage. I mean, without a doubt. But one of the questions we always get is, you know, I'm paying this premium. Is it tax deductible? And if you're W-2, absolutely not. There's no way you can tax deduct the premium for a disability policy. If you're 1099, you have a choice. Um, You actually can deduct it. But if you deduct that premium, then guess what happens to the benefit?
4: Benefit gets taxed if you deduct the premium. So when I'm making money, if I got to pay a little money, a little extra money on taxes because I'm not deducting the premium, I can afford that. However, if I become disabled and I deducted the premium and now Uncle Sam's taking a chunk of my disability benefit when I most need it, then I lose. So I always advise people to pay for it with after-tax dollars so that you get a tax-free benefit because that's when you're going to need it.
0: That's right. I think that's great advice. I mean, I've had a couple of CRNAs who just say, you know, I'm paying for it. I want to deduct it. And and as long as you educate them and they make their own decisions, that's great. But I would say overwhelmingly, that's probably not the smartest decision because of what you just alluded to. You're disabled. you, you The goose that, the, the how does that saying go? The goose that laid the golden egg. You, you no longer have that ability to earn an income. And now you're taxed on that income. Whereas if you wouldn't have deducted that small premium, then everything that you get would be tax free. And I think that's that a key. Correct. Yeah. So, Sharon, you know, I know that uh, that you're heading out to the 1099 world, and we're going to talk a lot about that in the next few weeks. And, for example, you know, if you decide you're going to get a disability policy, Um, And we looked at that and, you know, your premium was, you know, because you're young and very healthy and vibrant, it'd be really cheap for you. But let's say it was two grand a year, um, you know, and you came and said, hey, you know, I want to deduct that two grand. I would probably say, Sharon, let's not do that because that that two grand premium, I'm just making numbers up here, but let's say you had a $3,500 a month benefit. If you were disabled and you deduct the premium, then the IRS is going to tax that $3,500 you get a month
2: hmm. I hear if, you. If you don't deduct that seems it. Insane. Yeah,
0: then it's it's non taxable. And that's that's the key, as Robert said there. So um, yeah, this is good stuff. I could talk about this stuff, uh, you know, all day long, because I've just seen it, seen it happen out there. Um, any other stories, any things you guys want to want to get across to our listeners here?
3: Yeah, so this is uh, actually a story from so I've only been in the business for about five years. But as y'all know, Robert's been doing this for a very long time, over 30 years at this point. So back in 2018, I was only a couple years into the business, and uh, we were working with a school out in Philadelphia. They were graduating in July, and most of the students at that point graduate in July, typically starting work September or October, somewhere in that range after boards and everything like that. So we were working with the class, and there was this one person in the class who she essentially she would respond to our text messages, she respond to our phone calls, and say, "Hey, I need to buy this stuff. Hey, let's talk. Let's meet." And every time we had a scheduled meeting, we would call or we would send a Zoom invite, whatever the situation was at the time. And she just she wouldn't show up for meetings. She kept saying, oh, I have this coming up. Oh, I have this happening. I'm so sorry. But she kept pushing it back, kept pushing it back. And by Christmas, so Christmas of that year, she had been working for about two and a half to three months at that time. And she called us. I believe it was actually Christmas Day. She called into the office and she basically said, I just found out I have a brain tumor. I'm going to the hospital right now. What can we do? Can I still get this? Can I do anything? And you know, at that point, our hands are tied. Mm-hmm. It's an awful situation to be in. But because she didn't, you know, essentially prioritize buying her disability insurance, I kept putting it on the back burner, saying, "I know I need it, but I'll just do it later. I'll do it later." She ended up in a situation where, you know, luckily she got better, she recovered, she was able to get back to work a few months later, but she can't buy disability insurance anymore, not for at least the next eight to 10 years, because any insurer is going to look at that and say, oh, you were 35 and they found a brain tumor in your head and yeah, they got it out. But now your risk of, you know, any type of relapse or it happening again is much higher. So they want anybody in that situation to be 10 years clean before they'll review for an individual policy. So in that situation, you know, this is a 35-year-old CRNA. She had $200,000 in student debt. She had only been out of school for six months at this point. She had just started her career, and she was already at a point where she can no longer buy her own insurance for at least the next 10 years. And, you know, think about the fear at that point. Will I ever be able to work again? What if they don't get it out? Or what if it's worse than it is? Or anything like that? And, you know, it's, it's it's not my favorite story to tell because it's one of the few that we have that's really... It's, you know, it didn't have a good ending essentially, but that's the reality of life. These things happen, you know, things happen to people every day that they don't expect. So that's, you know, we have to plan for these types of things.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and I I think, again, there's just, it's really hard sometimes to write that premium check. And And I get that. And it's hard to spend that money. But the way I look at that is we all insure other things, And we need to insure ourselves, you know, Um, and that's a key point to make sure that you're taking care of you and your family if you're alive, whereas, you know, people want to take care of their families as they pass away through life insurance. They want to insure their car. They want to insure their house. Um, It's just one of those other scenarios where I think it makes a lot of sense to look at this stuff. And Robert, why don't you just kind of tell us, because I'm just sitting here thinking, it's important if you're, if you're working with a certain group, one to understand that group. And I know you do. Like, we know CRNAs very well. I know you guys do. Um, and I think the other things you kind of highlighted, you know, are unisex rates and some, some other things. Why don't you kind of tell us the advantages to working with someone such as yourself who has so much experience um, and connections in the disability world for CRNAs?
4: Well, having written so many policies and handled so many claims... I know their business, and I know how to structure the contract in such a way that they get the maximum benefit for the minimum premium. There are a lot of riders of things we add to policies that provide extra benefits and cost more money, and some of these are very expensive and unnecessary. So what I pride myself on is the ability to structure a contract in such a manner that you're getting the maximum benefit for the minimum dollars. That's what it's all about to me. How can I get you the best thing I can and cost you as little as possible? So there's a couple of riders i stress, which I won't go into now. The future option is one of them, obviously, which I'll get into in any personal conversation somebody wants to have with me. But generally, the high-priced riders that they done not put on there because I think they're overpriced and underused. So my mission is to keep the premium down and give them the protection they need. When I compete with other agents, what I've found is their mission is generally to get the premium as high as possible. We get paid on commission. And I'm not about trying to raise my commission by raising your premium. I'm about trying to keep your premium down. And then you give me your friend and their friend and their friend and do and do a lot of business. So that's how I've built such a huge business over the years by doing that for people. And when they call me and need me, I'm there for them. I mean, even if they're on claim, I'm going to help them through whatever process. Once they buy from me, I am making a commitment to them to be there for them for the rest of my career. So that's what I do. And once again, if you got a great company, which Mass Mutual is one of the top insurers in the United States, and you got a really good product and a great price, and you take care of people. Oh, yeah, by the way, a good thing also, Jeremy, is like tell people the truth uh, is real important. You know, I found that to be real effective. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I make sure I'm honest and I give good advice, exactly as if you were a member of my family. That's the advice I'm going to give you. And, yep. Yeah, for you when you need
0: me. Well, and, you know, that's one of the things I've figured out about you over the years. You know, I, I was kind of joking in the beginning of how we met and, and so forth. But what I figured out, you know, we had a CRNA that came to us and had a disability policy. Um, and, you know, I, I had you look at it. And, you know, the first thing you said is we're not in the business of replacing other disability policies unless there's a problem with it. And, you know, I think that spoke to me in droves about you and your character and the business that you guys have built. Um, you're not out there just trying to get a sale. I feel like you're out there trying to do the right things for every CRNA. Um, and I've appreciated that about you and your group.
2: So, Robert, tell us how our listeners can find you and get in touch with you and get one of these policies if they need one.
4: Jeremy will be posting some stuff in the future, but my direct phone number to my cell phone, which I use for business, 504-920-9817. Kyle's cell phone is 504-214-6571. So that would be the easiest way to get me. You can text me, you can call me, and I'll get back to you soon.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put, uh, put the information up on uh, the website when we post this. Um, for folks to get in touch with you, and you know, at least look at their situation, and you can kind of tell them, yes or no, or you know, what you've got is good. At least get a second opinion um, on on what they've got, and make sure that they're doing the right things for themselves. You know, I've found in this industry, like you have, is that there's a lot of insurance agents out there running around telling people things that are, are really probably not the best for their situation. Um, and I harp on that with our CRNAs all the time is um, CRNAs are a target-rich environment. They make good money. And um, not that all insurance people are bad. I'm not saying that at all. But there's a lot of insurance people out there that are taking advantage of people in their situation. And um, what I've found to be true about about you guys is that you're not doing that. And I appreciate that about you. So. All right, as we wrap up here, Sharon, you got anything else you want to add?
2: No, but I just, well, I always have something to add. (laughs) What personal service? Whenever you give out your personal cell phone number, I think that's a sign. A lot of people are hesitant to give their personal cell phone numbers out to just, anybody but I think that certainly speaks to the level of personal service that you guys will bring to the equation so we really appreciate that but we'll also post that in the notes and you know on a podcast you can also reverse it and get those numbers again but um, yeah, we appreciate good. you guys joining us. A lot of food for thought here.
0: Absolutely. Real quick, Sharon, we're going to do a really quick lightning round. You know, we found over, uh, well, actually, this was your idea, Sharon. I'm going to give you the props on this. Oh, my she, God. You're she, giving me credit loves for the, something? She loved the lightning round. And I've, you know, I've kind of become. He balked. Uh, I, I love it. So, um, so all right, Robert, what is your favorite word? Desire. all right you better elaborate there for our listeners real quick
4: success in life is achieved by a want to attitude of willingness so desire to do what you need to do and to push forward and continue to do that no matter what obstacles get in your way i like that and
2: what is your superpower robert
4: I can levitate when I meditate.
2: Well, all righty then.
0: <laughs> can you take a video of that one for us? <laughs> all right. Okay. If you had uh, one year left to live, Robert, what would you do?
4: Exactly what I'm doing right now.
0: You know what? And, and people think that's cliche, but what I've learned about you is I know that's the truth. It is. Um, because I think you could probably do whatever you wanted to do right now. You've been very successful in your career. And, um, you know, I I think that that is is really the truth. So, all right, as we wrap up, anything you want to leave our listeners with, Robert?
4: I look forward to speaking with you all as soon as possible to make sure your income is protected in the proper manner. Well,
0: Sharon, I think that's a wrap on this one. I, I think so. Well, Robert, Kyle, we want to thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for your support of us and our listeners um and uh we especially want to thank our listeners for listening to beyond the mass with jeremy stanley and
2: sharon pierce
0: and as we always say the single best way to help the show grow is to tell others you know sharon we're in the top 50 medical podcasts and where are we going
2: To number one, going past number 10. That's right. (laughs) We're we're getting
0: this together. Sharon always says, you know, we want to be in the top 10 and always say we want to be number one. So, uh, but Sharon is correct. We have to go to 10 before we get to one. So listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Sharon?
2: Tell your friends, hit like and subscribe. Put it on social media because that is the way we grow.
0: That's right. Until next time.
2: It's a wrap.
1: Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out BeyondTheMaskPodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyond. TheMaskPodcast.com, And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.